0: Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us for another hope-filled message, and our prayer is that you are encouraged by this powerful Sunday sermon. I, I want to jump into the Word of God today. I know that you are all on—we are all on—the journey at the moment here at Life of Discipleship. What does that look like? What does it mean to be a disciple? And so, if you are new to church, firstly, I just want to say this: you are so welcome here. We re- like just, 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 just take a breath, relax. Um, just so you know, this is not a country club for the morally elite, uh, that this is more like a hospital of hope for humanity, and you've stepped into it, and we are all, this is kind of like a big support group, we're all like recovering sinners, and so um, we're just here helping one another on that journey, but we are on a journey, and that's a beautiful, thing, a beautiful thing about God, is that yes, He loves you the way you are, but He doesn't leave you that way, He takes you on this beautiful journey, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to help you and serve you in this way that uh, as you do take the discipleship journey. Now, if you are wondering that word disciple. Now, again, don't want to insult your intelligence. I know that uh, the word disciple maybe has been heard of before if you're not familiar with church. But just so you know, the word disciple was actually something that was thrown around often in Jesus' day. In fact, Jesus didn't invent the word disciple, it was happening long before Jesus came along and not just within the Jewish tradition, but also in other spheres of life. In fact, if you were to come across a guy by the name of Plato or Socrates, they were the inventors of what they would call a matheteus. Can you say that? Yeah, good job, a matheteus. So what does that mean? It basically means a student. Disciple, or another translation, is apprentice. That's pretty cool. So, so, so let me put it this way. My 16-year-old son is about to enter into an apprenticeship next year. He wants to become a builder uh, like Jesus. And so he is taking that apprenticeship journey. And what he will do is he will sign up with a builder. He will come alongside that builder. And then for the next four years, he will commit to learning from him, not just so he will learn the knowledge of the trade, but he'll learn how to do the trade. He'll learn how to become what? A carpenter or a builder now this is the beautiful part when you start to think of the word disciple not so much as student which I like that term would you agree it's nice but I feel like the word student feels like you're um feels like you're more sitting in a lecture hall it's more like I attain knowledge I take notes and that's there's nothing wrong with that but the word apprentice lends to this idea that I'm actually supposed to do something with what I'm learning I'm actually meant to put this into practice. In fact, I am going to become something on this journey of discipleship or apprenticeship. So that is what we're trying to do here in Life. We want to, we are a whole bunch of people who said, we want to not just believe in Jesus, but we want to follow Him. We want to start to glean from Him and learn from Him. And no one here is the expert, by the way. There is people who are progressing on that journey, who are further ahead and will learn from one another. But really, we are all, like Paul the Apostle says, Forgetting what is behind, we are pressing forward. We're progressing. Okay, so we're going to unpackage what that looks like for us. And um, here we go. You're going to turn your Bible to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Have you got your Bible? Awesome. If you don't have one, we can put some on the screens. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to jump in partway through verse 7. He says this. Train yourself to be godly. Everyone say the word godly. Yeah, he says, train yourself to be godly. Now watch this. He says, for physical training is of some value. Now, is there anyone out there a personal trainer? Any personal trainers out there? They're a rare breed here in Auckland. Okay, there you go. Okay, so if anyone like going to the gym? Again, not many, okay. has anyone ever seen a gym? Okay, all right, there you go. Okay, so there, he says, listen, physical training, guess what? It's of some value. Yeah, it's good. Good to take care of your body, good to take care of your health, all these other things. Listen, it is of some value, but watch this. But godliness has value for all things. Now, now this is profound, ready? Holding promises for both the present life. Now, I want you, if you've got a Bible, you can underline that. If you've got your iPhone, just scratch your screen. He says, watch this. It has promises both for the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying. In other words, what I have just said is trustworthy. It says that deserves full acceptance. This is why we labor. Oh my gosh, not the most popular word, is it? This is why we labor or strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. We're going to pause in our reading of Scripture and spend the next few moments unpackaging the depth and the beauty and the nuance of this Scripture. But um, I want to give you a little title to pique your curiosity. For all those that are taking notes and want to go to heaven, write this down. (laughs) That was a joke. Someone panicked. A new person, give me a pen, quick. It's all good. No, that's works-based. All right. Uh, I want to speak to you from the topic or the title, um, practice makes progress. Practice makes progress progress, and we're going to unpackage what exactly it looks for us as those who call themselves Jesus followers or for those interested in that journey today. So let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for it today. We thank you for what you're doing in our church across every, every location. God, as we sit here together, we do not take it for granted what a great joy it is to come together in this space. But Lord, right now, we just slow down. We just detach from the pace of our lives. We separate ourselves from all the thoughts that plague our mind right now, of the things we need to do tomorrow or the next day or this week. Lord, just help us to be present with you because you are so very present with us. So we ask right now, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a huge shout of praise. Yeah, come on. All right. Question, question. Um, just by show of hands, you can participate in this on every location as well. Uh, how many people have ever had an idea that at first you thought was brilliant, only to discover that it wasn't so good in application? How many people have done that? Great idea in theory, but not so good in Application Now, uh, many hands went up. Thank you. We were all in the same boat together. But I have had this on, mon- like, mo- moments, consistent moments in my life. I've made decisions that I thought were brilliant, but not so good an application. But uh, one particular I will bring you in on. Uh, I was a youth pastor for many years. I love all the youth pastors, all the people representing all the youth here today. We love you. We celebrate you. You're amazing. But I did that for 12 years of my life, youth ministry. I loved it. And, and I had an idea. We were sitting down with our youth team, and they... Um, we wanted to support this organization run by the Salvation Army in Sydney. It was called the Oasis Centre. Now, the Oasis Centre was, was almost like a halfway house for at-risk youth or youth who are homeless, and it was a beautiful initiative. And, and we wanted to partner with them and help raise funds for them. So we sat down, we said, how can we raise funds? How can we support these guys? And so um, I'm sitting around, we're throwing ideas around, and I had this idea. I said, guys, guys, I've got it. We'll do a fundraiser. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to ride bikes. Everyone's like, yeah, that's, that's a good start. Yeah, it's pretty good. They're like, James, you know, I, I can do that already. I've been doing it since I was three. I said, no, 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 no. We're not just going to ride bikes. Let's ride bikes on a really long distance, and we will get people to sponsor us to ride it for that long distance. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. That's so good. Where, where do you come up with this? I'm like, the Lord? I don't know. Like, so I, 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 they said, but where are we going to go, James? And I said, here's the idea. i got it. i got it. I said, let's ride from Sydney to Canberra. Now, if you are not familiar with the geography of Australia, Sydney to Canberra is quite a distance, right? It's quite a distance to drive, let alone ride a push bike, ride a bicycle, and everyone's like, James, it's genius, Oh my gosh, that's why you're the boss, right? That's it. So, so we then start to raise funds. It was a seventh month between the initiative, kind of we announced it seven months to when we actually did or performed the initiative. And so uh, we are getting these booklets out and we're raising money and to, really, really good. We actually raised $70,000. That's pretty cool, huh? So $70,000, but here's the thing. We raised $70,000, but then we still had to do the riot. Right? Which I'm thinking, haven't we got the money? Let's let it go, right? Let's just, you know. So, so we had to still ride it. Now, um, I had two thoughts going into this particular bike ride. Two thoughts, which these two thoughts might, you may think less of me after these two thoughts. I might think, do we really trust, trust the intelligence of this man holding the microphone, right? Thought number one um, was this. Uh, it, it, it's riding a bike. How hard could it be? Now, you might be looking at me and think, James, but those legs, surely they're made for riding long distances. I can clearly see you're quite bulky. Maybe you didn't think that at all. That's why I wear them baggy. But but that was my first thought. How hard could it be? The second thought, this is ridiculous, ready? The second thought was, it's Canberra. It's south of Sydney. That means it's mainly downhill. (laughs) I know, I know, right? (laughs) Who is this guy? So that is my thought. So here's the thing. I got to the day, seven months later, and I neglected to train. I'm thinking, it's a bike. How, how could it be? So I arrived to receive my bike. It was Campbelltown in the southern uh, western parts of Sydney. We were going to then ride from there to Canberra. And I hopped on my bike and I proceeded to ride. And the first few minutes, I'm like, man what an idea. This is brilliant. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I'm right in the front. I'm like, come on guys, keep up. Like I'm, I'm provoking people. Like, look how quick I am. And then it gets an hour into the ride, an hour in to what would be a three day journey. An hour in my legs start burning the lactic acid is building up like man i am in pain an hour into what would be a 3 day journey and literally to the to the point where i'm i'm like this is probably a bit sad but i had to cheat i'm like i said guys now you ride ahead i'll lead from the back right i'll lead from the back and so i actually and there's a pace car at the very back and there's one at the front so i went to the pace car at the back and said find out you win they're like what's up and i said nothing and i just put my hand on the inside of the pace car and got a tow and and uh, that was pretty much the whole trip. But anyways, the, <laughs> the point of this is that, um, Liz, I really wanted to, to, fulfill, to fulfill this great initiative. Like, my, my intentions were good. I wanted, yes, let's raise the money. Let's go the distance. Let's do what is required to do these things. But the truth is, um, I wanted the outcome. But I didn't want the input required to get there. Now, could I say this? Is that not true of life in many cases? We want the outcomes, but we do not like often the input that is required. Let's go there for a second. Ready? Is this not true in life? Ready? We want more money, but we want to work less. All right, haven't found you yet. Ready? We want an amazing marriage, but we don't want to invest into it. Ooh, gotten a little bit quiet. Okay. Oh, here we go. I'll find everyone here. We want an amazing body. Oh, someone was really, the spirit moved over there somewhere. Jeez. Okay. We want an amazing body, but we want to eat whatever we want and not exercise too much. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Now, this is true of life, but I also unfortunately believe this is true of our faith. We want an amazing church community, but we don't want to spend too much time with people. Oh, here we go. We want all God's blessings, but we don't want all God's commandments. Oh, okay. We want all God has to offer, but we don't want to offer God our all. We want godly outcomes without godly input. Okay, to which I want to make this very, very clear before I jump into this thought today. That um, when it comes to Salvation. I'm so grateful that God's grace and salvation is passive. We do not do anything to earn salvation. How many people are grateful for that? It is a free gift that has been attributed to us through Christ Jesus, right? It is not works based that you and I are saved so that none of us can boast. However, watch this God's grace and salvation is passive, but God's transformation in our lives is active. I'll put it to you this way, ready? We must participate in his transforming work in our lives. So salvation is a gift, but transformation requires our input. We need to participate in God's transforming work. Okay, now here's the big thesis of my thought here for today. If you're going to take one thought away, okay, because usually we forget by the end of the Sunday, don't we? We kind of like bump into someone, they miss church. Oh, how was church? Oh, it's great. It was awesome. What do they preach about? And you're like, uh, Jesus, right? Because you, you panic, right? But here's one thought, one thought, ready? <laughs> the thought is this, the greatest way to progress in your faith is to practice your faith, just, just a little takeaway, ready? The greatest way to progress or progress in your faith is to practice your faith. To which we then come to this beautiful portion of Scripture. Let's go there. So here is Paul writing to his young apprentice, a guy by the name of Timothy. He says, Timothy, um, I, wanna, I wanna give you a trustworthy saying. In other words, if you put this into practice, Timothy, it is gonna have radical repercussions in your life. And he says this, he says, listen, um, I... Physical training is of some value. But isn't it interesting that Paul uses the analogy of physical training? Like, this is profound. He is saying, like, if you were to, let's go there for a second. If you were to go to a gym, or let's just say it this way. If you, were to, uh, if you were to have a friend who bumped into you, and who owned a gym, who said, hey, um, you know what, I'm going to give you a free gym membership. And you were like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. That's a great gift. How many people would like that gift? Okay, not many people, okay, so, okay, but let's just play on this analogy. So, if they were to give you a free pass, you'd like, thank you so much, and then you were to show up a couple of times a week for the next six months. Like, let's, just, let's just play that out. Six months goes by, you go up to that friend and you say, oh my gosh, I'm a little disappointed. Your friend says, what, what, what what's, what's wrong? He says, well, um, I haven't reached my goal weight, I haven't actually put on any muscle, I haven't really seen any transformation whatsoever, and the friend says to you, well, well, what, what classes did you do? What exercise were you doing? And you were to say, classes? <laughs> exercise? you meaning to tell me that I have to do something here at the gym, not just be a member of it? All right. Could it be that Paul is saying many people approach their faith that way? I'm a part of a church. I've been sitting here every Sunday for the last couple of months, couple of years, couple of decades, and a bit disappointed. Haven't really seen the transformation I wanted, to which Paul would say, well, have you trained for godliness? Have you trained for it? And he uses this word, catch this. He uses the word godly. Now, how many people, are you ever overwhelmed by that word, Godly. Like how many people would how many people would love for for someone to come up to you and say, "You know what? You are so godly." Would that be nice? Not many people think that's not. Okay, so okay, it would be such a beautiful thing. Now, the word godly can be daunting to us, but Paul says this is a beautiful thing. The word godliness is actually the word theosis. Can you say that? Theosis. Yeah, theosis. Theosis means what? It means to be godlike. Now, it doesn't mean that you become God, but you become God-like. In other words, the same way for you parents in the room today, when someone says, oh my goodness, your daughter, your son reminds me so much of you, it is the same thing that Paul is saying, the world should look at you and I as Jesus followers and say, oh my gosh, you remind me of that one you're following. You have similar characteristics. What is that? That's called godliness. In fact, um, church history—they used a different word. They used this word. Ready? This is huge. Deification. That's pretty cool, huh? That might be a good tattoo. Tattoo idea? Anyone out there? Oh, deification. You know. Like, okay. So deification. What is? It? And I love this. Ready? It means becoming like God. Or watch this. Deification means restoring you, restoring you to your God-made image. Restoring you to your God-made image. Do you realize that you are made in the image of God? They would call this Imago Day. In other words, you are meant to be in the likeness of God. And so deification is the process of what? I am getting restored to my God-made image that sin had distorted. So ultimately, the journey of following Jesus and discipleship is what? Restoring you, restoring I to our what? Our God-made image. And Paul says, this is actually something that is going to require what? Effort. You're going to have to train for godliness. So here we go. I want to, I want to give you a couple of things. And this is, this is a journey that we're going to take together. This is going to be super practical. But I also want to encourage you, do not just hear this in theory, but actually apply it. Put it into practice and see what would happen if you start to take the journey of what? Deification. Deification or discipleship, or becoming your, or restoring the God-made image in you, okay? So here's the thing, up front, how do we progress in our faith? Because it's a beautiful part. Practice does make progress. So what does it look like? Four things up front, I'll give them to you, and then we'll unpack them. First things first, position. Second, practice. Third, persistency. And fourth, people. One more time, Ready? Position, practice, persistency, people. Okay, first things first. If you want to journey on this thing called discipleship or deification or becoming that God made image that God designed you from the very beginning, then first things first, you need to know your position. Where are you at? Well, James, I'm here at Life Church. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And I mean, I mean like, where are you at spiritually? Where are you at on the faith spectrum? To which you go, well, how do you even discover that? What does that even look like? To which I would say, yeah, that is a difficult thing, or it could be. But really what we need to look at is there are some spiritual landmarks, I believe, will help us to determine, where am I at on the journey? Where am I going? So I'll put it to you this way. Last year, my my eldest son, uh, he hopped on a bus with a couple of friends, and and they were going to go and Hang at some lake somewhere near our house. And, and so he hops on, he goes down there. He then calls his mother and says, hey, mom, um, can you come pick me up? She says, absolutely. Where are you? He says, um, I don't know. She said, well, baby, like, it's hard to pick you up when I don't know where you are. Said, well, where are you? He says, well, I don't know. I just hopped on the bus. I was chatting too much. I actually didn't pay attention to where we were going. I'm just here. And, he's, and so Alana's like, okay, well, show me some landmark. Like, tell me what's around you and he says, um, well, there's some trees. She's like, okay, can you narrow it down a bit more? He's like, well, there's a body of water. There's some water there. Actually, theres a, I can see there's like a bus stop and there's like a, a, a rotary club here. And, and she's like, okay, cool. I think I vaguely know where you are. And so Alana literally had to, through following landmarks, find our son. Really, like crazy. And she did. She did, you know, three days later. But I'm playing. But but. Here's the thing. You need to know the landmarks to help determine where am I? Where am I on this journey? To which you could put it this way. Maybe you're here in this room. Let's, let's throw out a couple of landmarks. First things first, maybe you're here today and you're at the landmark of the curious stage in your faith. So what does that mean? You're interested. Maybe a friend, a colleague at work is a Christian. You just notice something about them. You're like, man, I... I want, to, I want to go to that place they go to every Sunday. So maybe you're here today. I never want to assume everyone in this room will call themselves a Jesus follower, but you're curious, okay? So maybe you're at the curious stage. I'm not in yet, James. I'm just curious, okay? Good place to know where you're at. Secondly, you might be at the come and see stage, which is what? I want to believe, but I'm not sure. Now, maybe that's you here today. I want to believe, but I'm just not sure. I have my doubts. Which, if you're here today and you've got some doubts, welcome to the club. Christianity is not the absence of doubts. In fact, I want to say that doubting done the right way is a huge part of progressing in your faith. That curiosity may have killed the cat, friends, but I'm telling you, curiosity grows the Christian. And if you are curious, if you had doubting, if you have things that are like, I'm not too sure, that doubting can actually lead to great believing if handled the right way. So maybe you'll come and see, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Or maybe you're here today and you're at the come and follow stage. So yes, I've made a decision. I, want, I believe in Jesus. I believe in his death and resurrection. I believe he is the son of God. And now I'm at that come and follow. But again, it's just basic. I'm like, yeah, I'm coming to church now. I'm a part of a group. And, and that's a great stage to be at. But maybe you've been at that stage for some time. The next stage would be this, the be with me stage. You are getting greater Or you're getting a greater desire to know God. I don't know what it is, but I just want to know him more. And there's this hunger growing in you. And so you've got this what? This I want to be with him more. I I don't know what it is, but I'm growing in that. So maybe that's your stage. But then the last but not least is the abide in me stage. Where I have this deep connection with God. In fact, Sunday... Is just a part of that journey. I find myself on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday just opening up my word in the morning and and just going for a walk sometime and just, just abiding with God. I feel like even at my work, everything I'm doing, God is not a compartmentalized part of my world. No, He is in my world and He is invading every aspect of my world. I am abiding in Him and Him in me. So, question where are you at? What's your stage? These again, there's probably more stages to that, but what identify where you are at is that one of them. In fact, the Barna Group brought out another study recently and said right now, and this is mainly in America, but I believe it's the same around the world, especially the westernized world, that there's four categories of people right now who are around the church or around the faith community, and they would be this. There's prodigals right now. There are people in this room, and you would call yourself, or maybe friends, that you call yourself an ex-Christian. I used to go, but I'm not interested anymore. There's prodigals. Another one was what they called nomads, Nomad Christianity, I identify as a Christian, but I haven't been in church in months, even years. There's habitual churchgoers. I attend at least once a month, but my faith is mainly restricted to a Sunday church occasion. And then they said there was a last group, which was resilient disciples. They trust firmly in the authority of Scripture, committed to consistent church community, passionately pursuing the way of Jesus and desire to transform society with their faith. Question, where are you? What's your position? Now, before you freak out and go, oh my gosh, I'm not there and I'm not there, guess what? That's what I love about God. He loves you at every stage and He meets you at every single one of them. It does not change God's love for you and He says, wherever you're at, I'm not waiting at a distance, I will meet you where you are at, but where are you at? Okay, to which? Position leads to, okay, I want to Progress in my position, my place, my journey with God. I wanna grow in my faith and my fellowship. But what, how do I get there? This is where we get to the idea of practice, okay? Practice does make progress. He says, train yourself to be godly. In other words, you're gonna have to put some effort in. So here's the truth, ready? What you do consistently, you are becoming. What you do consistently, you are becoming. In other words, you are not the byproduct of your goals and intentions. You are the byproduct of your habits. So what godly habits do you have? What holy habits do you have? Paul is saying, get something like an athlete who's training and says, I'm gonna do this consistently because I want to become this. He says, do the same with godliness. In fact, it wouldn't be a good message if I didn't quote C.S. Lewis. Ready? He says it like this. Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little different from what it was before. Watch this. And taking your life as a whole with all the innumerable choices all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing, turning you into either a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature. Either into a creature that is in harmony with God, with others and with self, or else into someone who is at a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with self. But he said it all happens through what? Small choices habits okay so let's get practical I um you might have been sitting here the whole time going what is going on on the stage here what is this here for to which I don't I don't know guys I'm joking okay so this is um this is what you would call a garden arch has anyone seen one of these before yeah okay garden arch now I I am not much of a horticulturalist I'm not much of a gardener but my wife who's here today she finds it therapeutic she likes gardening is there any gardeners out there Again, not, oh, there's a few more. Well, way more than gym goers. That's fantastic, okay. So there is um, gardeners, okay. She loves it. She finds it therapeutic. And she said to me um, one day, she says, James, that, that white kind of um, paling wall that we have, fence-paling wall, um, I like it, but I, I, I want to grow something up that wall. I said, yeah, go for it. Do you mind if I go surfing? She said, sure, go for it. So she, she, she then gets some um, ivy seeds and she plants the ivy seeds at the base of this fence, this white fence, beautiful white fence. And then um, she slowly started to watch it. We started to watch this thing grow. Now, catch this. If you were to go to our house right now, you would barely even see the white fence that was once there. What you would see, however, is a, the entire wall is covered in this beautiful green ivy vine. It's amazing. Now, how many people know this? Uh, my wife didn't make the ivy grow She just created a way for it to grow best. Because what she did is she got some wire, she placed it across the fence, and as the ivy started to grow, the wire helped it climb the fence. And now what you used to see was a wall is now this beautiful green fence. But again, she didn't make it grow. She just created a way for it to grow best. To which I want to say this. There are a bunch of Christian practices that you and I are meant to partake in, but I wanna make this very, very clear. Those Christian practices, they are not your faith. They're not your faith. They are just a way for your faith to grow best. Now here's the thing, you can think, oh man, like what Christian practices? And there's so many Christian practices, whether it being in groups or whether it be reading your Bible or getting into prayer or Sabbath or fasting or all these great Christian practices. But here's the thing, they are not your faith, they're just a way for your faith to grow best. How do I know that? Because we've all met those people who read their Bible every day, but they're still a massive jerk. Some people are like, I'm sitting next to them. No, don't do that. Okay, so it's... It's not about the practices. If you're not careful, you're like, but I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing like a check, check, check. And again, the idea is not that you would do the practices, but that you would abide. There would be this growing relationship. They are a means to an end. They're not the end in themselves. So catch this. This is how I want to, I want you to see this. Now, as you take this journey of discipleship, you've been doing it all year. I hear amazing stories. But but here's the thing. To be in a group is this. To read your Bible on a consistent basis is what? It's this. To create a, a prayer life and develop this beautiful conversation with God is this. To Sabbath is this. To do all these other Christian practices, that is all they are. They are like a garden arch. But catch this. Start doing them. Stop putting these things into practice. And what you'll start to notice is something starts to grow. And eventually this thing grows so much in your life and people do not even seem to look at the practices. They see godliness. Wow, like, yeah, I know you read your Bible. I know you go to church. I know you're in groups. I know you pray. I know you're just fasting every now and then. I know all that stuff, but it's not, that's not what I'm seeing. All I'm seeing is this, what was once practices is now a lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle of what? Godliness, there's something about you. So this is what I implore you as we take this journey of discipleship. Please do not make it about empty religious practices because the practices are not your faith. They're just a way to help your faith grow best. And as you put them into practice, you'll notice things start to grow. And unfortunately, I hate to tell you, the way that transformation is talked about in Scripture is not instant, it's not microwave Christianity. In fact, it's botanical. As if to say, it's slow. But I wanna be deified now. I wanna be godly tomorrow. To which God would say, peace be still. Calm down. Just start taking these practices bit by bit. Why? Why is it slow? Why is it slow? Because maybe if it happened quickly, you'll put your faith in the practices and not in the abiding relationship he longs for you to have from the very beginning. But practice does make progress. The next thing it goes to, moving quickly, is that you would go into what? Persistency. It actually, these things require persistency. So it's not just about where am I, my position, but it's also about practice, and it's also about what? Persistency. I need to keep on doing these things. Watch what Paul says to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 6, verse 7. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked a man reaps what he sows. Now before you think, oh, are we talking about money here? Not at all. In fact, catch the context. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh will from the flesh reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And he goes on to say, do not become weary in doing good for at proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Did you catch that? He actually says, if you want to keep, listen, we all have some habits, some of them good, some of them bad. Come on, it's not a support group. Let's put your hand up. Is that any bad habits in there? Yeah, a couple of bad habits. Guess what Paul's saying? He says, there is a habit side of you that wants to sow to the flesh. The word flesh is the Greek word sarks. Can you say that? Sarks. What that means is what? It's the sin distorted desires within you. And there's habits that are feeding the sin distorted desires within you. And if you keep on performing those habits, he says, guess what you're going to (laughs) reap? Destruction. Oh, I don't want that. Isn't it interesting that the habits at the time don't seem destructive, but he says eventually it'll get there. But he says, however, if you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit you will reap what? Eternal life. Thinking, James. Well, I guess one day when I get to heaven, please, 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 stop thinking of eternal life as something that is one day on the other side. Understand this: Jewish people never talked about eternity, and when they talked about et- when they talked about eternal life, it was about life right now, not just life then. In fact, I'm meant to have heaven invade my life here and now. So, to reap to the spirit is to experience heaven now. Eternal life. Jesus said, "From you will flow." These springs of living water, not then, but now. But if you sow these practices, guess what? You keep doing them, doing them, doing persistently. Guess what's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, I just keep on experiencing this new life. It's eternal life, which is what? Not temporal, not fickle, not fragile. It has an eternal sense to it. It's just persistent, joy, peace. Well, it's persistent. You've got to be persistent in it. Last but not least, it's people. So position, practice, persistency, and then people. This is um, This is huge. This is the toughest part about church, don't you reckon? It's people. Oh, don't be super holy this morning. No, I come every week loving my fellow brethren and sistren. I don't think it's a word, but let's go with it. But Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by how you love one another. He actually didn't even say how you talk about me throughout the week in the workplace, which I I find fascinating. I thought it would have been that for sure. That's how they know because I talk about Jesus. He says, no, no, no. The way they ultimately know is by how we love one another in the context of community. But we need each other. The Book of Jude says this, but you dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Guess, guess what your job is? To build a person's faith up next to you. Guess what my job is? This, it's all of our job is to what? Build each other's faith up. We need each other. In a world that loves hyper-individualism, Christianity should rage against it. In fact, I, I, I get the statement behind this, but I think we need to get rid of it. Well, when you follow Jesus, he'll become your own personal Lord and Saviour. Yeah, but also not really. Because when he saved you, he didn't just save you unto himself, he saved you into a family. And he's not just your Jesus, he's mine, he's ours. And he is now your big brother. God is your father. Augustine would say the church is your mother. We are all this family together. We need each other this crazy story I heard in closing of um, a preacher by the name of D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody was uh, preaching kind of full auditorium, something similar to this. And there was a very affluent wealthy businessman who was sitting in there, but he was also a Christian. And at the end of the service he came up to D.L. and said, D.L., I'd like to talk to you about your message. He said, sure, yeah, come on. There was a side room and the side room was almost like a library, had a fireplace and some leather chairs and they sat down and said, what, what can I help you with? He said, look, D.L., I loved your message. It was amazing, but um, you, you're talking about the church and our need for church, but I don't, I don't think we need church. I don't think we need community to follow Jesus. I think you can just do it probably better alone. And D.L. didn't say anything. D.L. Moody um, got up from his chair. There was a fireplace, like I said, in front of him. There was a fire burning and he got this the fire poker, the pole, and he pulled a piece of hot coal away from the fire, without saying a word, and he sat back in his chair and he just stared at the hot coal. The man looked at DL and looked at the coal, and he's like, "What was he doing? He's not saying anything, but he just kept looking at the coal." So the man realized, "Okay, his attention's on the coal," and, and so they both watched the coal. And this coal that was red hot slowly but surely started to dimmer, and eventually, what was red hot was now just cold and dark. And he looked back at the man and smiled. And the man looked at him and says, I get your point. Robert Mulholland would say it like this. We can no longer be formed in the image of Christ outside of corporate spirituality, then a coal can continue to burn bright outside of the fire. When we don't feel like worshiping, the community should carry us along in its worship. When we can't seem to pray, community prayer should enfold us. When the Scripture seems closed for us, the community should keep on reading, affirming, and incarnating it around us. To which I'd say again in closing, we need each other to progress in our faith. It requires people. If you're new to faith here today and you're saying, man, like, what's the first thing I should do in taking that journey outside of saying, Jesus, I wanna believe in you, I would say the first thing you need to do is get into community. Let it all come from that place, but why? Because we need each other. So in closing here today, I I would love to do this. I wanna put out a challenge to you, Life Church, in every location watching. We we want the instant. I would love for you, James, just to preach on something that was like miracles and suddenly and immediately, and it's happening right now, and my transformation happened right now, and it can happen, so please don't get me wrong. But I have found that largely this journey of discipleship It's about practicing that makes progress. And the way that you and I grow in our faith is by practicing our faith. Would you stand to your feet as we finish here this morning? I am gonna hand back to Pastor Luke in a moment, but I I wanna put an invitation out there this morning And the invitation isn't just to pray a prayer, to say, Jesus, I believe in you. But it's actually to respond to an invitation. Jesus, I want to follow you. Or Jesus, I want to apprentice under you. I wanna join in with a bunch of these people in this room and I want to take the journey of this theosis. God, I wanna know that God made image you designed me to be all along that sin has distorted. God, I want that to be unwarped, undistorted. I want to become what you've made me to be all along. I wanna be a disciple. So maybe that's your journey here today. Maybe on the position thing, you're like, oh, I was just curious. I was at the come and see stage, that's why I'm here. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you feel like I'm just stagnant in it. Which God is saying today, I believe. Hey, start training for godliness. Don't just join the gym and sit in it. Put it into practice and don't do it alone. Do it with others. So I want you to close your eyes in this moment of privacy and reflection here this morning. You um you want to follow. You want to follow. To which I'd say, (laughs) there's no magical words, please. It's not an incantation, it's not a formula, it's a belief. And it's simply to say, Jesus, in my heart, I'm gonna trust you. Here's my life. I'm putting you in the driver's seat. I don't even hop in the passenger seat, Lord. I'll hop in the trunk because I interfere too much. I just wanna follow you. So maybe you wanna do that today. Maybe you wanna take the journey of following. Then I just wanna pray for you. And I want you to simply pray a prayer in your heart as well of Jesus, I will follow. That's it. I believe, I will follow. I believe, I will follow. And the journey starts here. So Lord, today, I thank you for every person in this room. God, I thank you that... Practice doesn't make perfect, Lord. Perfection was the goal. We have fallen short and we continually do it. But I thank You that practice does make progress and we as a church would continue to grow. God, not just numerically, Lord, but spiritually. God, we would become the people You design us to be all along, Lord. Help us to discover where we're at. Help us to know, God, that stage. And thank You that You do meet us there, but that You then, through Your Holy Spirit, and through so many other things, You guide us into that transformation. But we wanna partner with You, Lord, in transformation. We realise that salvation is a gift given through Your grace, but transformation is a journey, Lord. So we will journey here today, Lord. God, progress us. In Jesus' mighty Name we pray, Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I trust you're encouraged by this incredibly powerful word. You know, you've always got a place to call home here at Life, and I want to encourage you to join us in one of our campuses in Auckland, or Todonga. or why don't you join us at Church Online? To find out more about Life and to stay connected with us, why don't you visit LifeNZ.org.